Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 bacon bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Kristen. Yeah, Jolenta. Have you ever heard of this book published in 1860 called The Ladies' Book of Etiquette and Manual of Politeness? Oh, stop it. There's no way I'm touching a book for proper ladies that was written over 100 years before either of us was born. Do not even joke about that. Well, it's too late. I joked about ah, it. You did. But a manual of politeness for ladies is not a joking matter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did not mean to bum you out. I was just bringing it up because the book we are living by this time is the opposite of an etiquette book. Oh, thank God. This book is all about women starting a revolution. So let's stop crossing our legs at the ankles and revolt because I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is By the Book. In each episode of Buy the Book, we choose a different self-help book to live by, follow it to the letter, and weigh in on whether or not it actually changed Jolenta's life and my life. Today, our book is A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance, a feminist handbook on fighting for good by Emma Gray. Emma Gray is an editor and writer. Over the years, she's written extensively about women's rights and pop culture. She's also hosted the Bachelor Recap podcast, Not Here to Make Friends served as the executive women's editor at the Huffington Post, and appeared as an expert on the Today Show, Good Morning America, The Insider, and Entertainment Tonight. After the presidential election of 2016, she found herself in a state of crisis. She worried that we'd entered a new era where the rights of women, 
religious minorities, people of color, people who identify as LGBTQ, immigrants, and a lot of other non-white males were at stake. With further research, she came to understand that these rights have always been at stake and that it's thanks in large part to fierce women and girls that we've come as far as we have. But how did these women and girls do it? And how do we continue their fight while also continuing our real lives? Wanting to get answers to these questions and share the knowledge she gleaned, she wrote A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance. In researching the book, Emma spoke with march organizers, senators, longtime activists, and newcomers across political movements. She educated herself on the issues, learned how to join in, and developed tools for creating sustainable action. And she learned how to do it all without losing hope. In her book, she outlines what she learned, laying out a primer on pivotal women's rights issues, and offering a blueprint for those who want to take a stand and participate in the cause. Along the way, she offers quotes and advice from some of the most notable women on the forefront, from the founders of Black Lives Matter to women who are taking it upon themselves to run for office for the first time. Here's how you do it. Step one, start giving a fuck and start giving a fuck right now. Check in with your own story and draw from your life to find stuff you give many fucks about. Step two, find stories and voices that matter. White straight feminists have left other women out of the movement far too often. Don't make the same mistake. Look for voices that are intersectional. In other words, women of different races, ages, socioeconomic situations, sexual orientations, etc. And don't forget to include your own story because it matters too. Step three, take action. Contact representatives about issues you care about. Run for office. Donate what you can. Volunteer your time. Have difficult conversations offline with people you disagree with. And remember to listen more than talk. Show up physically to things that matter. Step four, form or join a lady-centered space. Think about what you need or want. Is it general brainstorming, organizing around a particular issue, something else? Go in with a vision. Recruit other like-minded lady friends. Identify other groups you can collaborate with or support. And don't forget to have some fun. Step five, be a responsible news consumer. Be mindful of fake news. Make sure to read widely as some publications are better at covering certain issues than others. And support your local news sources. National news doesn't always hold the local people with the most power responsible for their actions, while local news does. Step six, practice self-care. Don't forget to take care of yourself because fighting the good fight can be draining and crazy-making. Listen to songs by strong women that pep you up. Watch inspiring shows and movies about badass ladies. Spend time with family and friends. Just do anything that leaves you feeling rejuvenated. And finally, remember that saying yes to yourself and your needs makes saying yes to others way easier when the time comes. That's what the book says, and so that's what we did for two weeks straight. So, Jolenta, tell us about your first week of living by A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance. I started with step one, giving fucks and tying in my own story. And this was a very easy step for me because, uh, as listeners may recall from our presence episode, 
I've been giving a shit ton of fucks lately about the creepy-ass health teacher I had in high school. Um, I'm going to interrupt here and say I think creepy is an understatement. Reminder to mm. listeners, this dude used your body as a demonstration for what's wrong with girls. He humiliated you. He sexualized you. He did all sorts of fucking disgusting stuff. Your teacher was not just creepy. He was beyond creepy. Exactly. And uh, those feelings are my step one. You know, they're part of my story. I give many fucks about them. It is not fun feeling like the body you happen to be in limits your success and your future because of how some random person decides to feel about it. And I don't want other people to have to feel that way. And I give a lot of fucks about changing our perspectives on policing bodies. So as I said in our presence episode earlier this season, I decided to write an opinion piece about my experience for a local paper. Yes. But I was thinking about this because of the giving fucks. And I realized I have a pretty easy time sort of broadcasting what I give a fuck about. Like I can do it here. I can write an opinion piece. I'll do it in my stand up to strangers. But It's much harder for me to own what I give a fuck about to, like, actual people in my life, like, Mm one-on-one. So to push my boundaries a bit, I reached out to an old high school friend that I'd fallen out of touch with to ask if she would be a source for this article. And um, it was super scary. I was afraid she wouldn't want to deal with me. I was afraid she wouldn't remember anything. I was afraid she would think I was a loser who was stuck in the past and couldn't get over, like, random shit. But instead, she was super nice and super supportive. And she went on the record as an anonymous source. And after that, we've also just kept in touch. And, like, we check in on each other. And I know what she's been up to. And it's it's been really nice giving a fuck on a personal level. Nice. That sounds amazing. And your article was published um, just a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was published uh, at the end of June in the Portland Tribune while we were finishing up living by this book. And you can find it online along with a news piece that was reported by a woman named Shasta Kearns Moore and a response from uh, my old school just by Googling like Portland Tribune plus Jolenta. I am so proud of you. And I mean, encouraging this dialogue with other people who've lived through it, other people who can be sources, other people who can be sources of comfort for you. I mean, this isn't just about you. It's about something much bigger now. So I, I'm I super proud so. of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's scary, but but it, in the long run, it feels good and way less like burdensome. Good. So after giving a fuck, I moved on to step two, finding voices that matter. Because I know in the long run, I have it easy compared to a lot of women. I'm white and showing up in that body, even though it's female, gives me some benefits. So I went around and talked to some amazing women I know who aren't white to learn about what they go through day to day. And it turns out, regardless of what color our skin is or what backgrounds we have, basically every woman I've talked to has faced some version of of what my health teacher did to me, you know, punishing a woman because of some prescribed societal labels and images that some man thinks we should live up to. And I'm sick of it. And luckily, I'm in a position where I can be kind of loud about this issue. Oh, do tell. How did you get loud? I moved on to step three and took some action by having a difficult conversation. I made a call to the woman who currently runs my old school to find out what happened with their investigation into that health teacher of mine. Because I wanted to be sure they understood that a teacher's comments about a young girl's body can cause damage that stays with them for life. 
Uh, so I recorded my side of the call, and this is me pushing back and uh, asking some tough questions after listening. And uh, P.S. If you hear any clicking in the background, I was taking notes during this call, mm. and I am a heavy typer, so sorry <laughs> in advance. I guess. Mate, can I can I ask you a blunt question? Because you just said he is known for sort of a curt, blunt, and, and, you know, systematic way of talking that's often perceived as not very kind. Why is he then such a valuable educator worth keeping around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to say, like, I, I don't worry. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's super interesting. And, you know, I guess I just need to, to like, think on... on that last one a bit. All right. Take care. Bye. So, Jolenta, we only heard your side of the conversation there. What exactly were they saying on the other end of the conversation and all this? Well, apparently their investigation found that no other complaints against him were as severe as mine. There were other complaints, and he's known for being, you know, generally kind of a dick, especially to female students. But they uh, are giving him a chance to get his shit together because he's worked there for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And they tasked two of his female colleagues with the job of coaching him on how to talk to female students. You know, but his boss did say he wasn't defensive when she talked to him about this. And he knows he has to own the damage he's done and uh, that he'd like to apologize to me. So uh, I think you heard at the end of the call, I said I'd have to think about that last one. Oh, God. Having to hear from people who've abused you, not fun. Yeah. And also, just to backtrack a little bit, his way of getting better is to force other women to school him. Yeah, literally. so basically the women around him now have more work because he sucks. Oh, God. And um, how did you feel about all that? Well, right after the call, I recorded a quick audio diary that pretty perfectly sums up my feelings, if you'd like to listen. <sighs> He's not fired, but I think he understands the situation is serious enough and he's starting to admit how the way he taught then could have been totally damaging to a woman in his class. I still don't think he should be working with kids considering how much he sucked back then and how slow he is on the uptake. But I think my point was made to him by his boss in a way that got through. And I guess that's, that's what's more important. Me wanting him fired is, is personal, and, and I want him to understand like an ounce of the pain he instilled in me. But retribution is different from change-making. Yeah, I mean... That's where my week one ended. You know, it was kind of a bittersweet note. And even though I took action and somewhat got through to some people, I just was kind of feeling lonely and, and like oh. I wasn't doing enough. Oh, that's not true. You were. Oh, whatever. I mean, I want to say you're entitled to your feelings, but I'm just going to say it. your feelings are wrong here. You were doing a lot. I just, I, felt, doing a I lot. felt demoralized, mm. but... uh I would like to be uplifted. So can you tell me about your first week of living by a girl's guide to joining the resistance, Kristen? Sure. So I started, like you, with step one, giving a fuck, looking hard at what bothers me most in the world and what I want to change. And I have to say, this was a really overwhelming step. Mm -hmm. There's just so much that's wrong with the world. There's gun violence, poverty, environmental destruction, racism. 
it's hard to even know where to begin. And even looking at my own personal story, it's hard to know where to begin. I mean, I'm somebody where you could bring up issues like racism, abortion, adoption, abuse. There are a million topics Mm. that we could touch on if we were just trying to use my story. And it was hard. How did you how did you narrow down your focus then? Well, what I decided would be easiest for me is just to hyper-localize things, just to look at Brooklyn, just to look at what's around me day to day, just to look at my little corner of the world and what I can do to make the world kinder and maybe a little bit more just all within my neighborhood. Nice. So what did you do after that? I moved on to step two, listening to other people's stories and specifically people who have very different stories than my own, like you did. I sat down with my friends, Whistlin and Tamika, who are black and they are gay. Whistlin also is an immigrant from Haiti. And we've all lived in the same neighborhood for many years. And I asked them what they see as the biggest issue in our neighborhood these days. Like, I live in this building for years. And, like, um, we've had more police called, like, visiting in this building since more white people moved in. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you have <laughs> young you have young black kids, literally, maybe they're in the hallway talking to their friends, you know, maybe they got a little they got a little girlfriend and they can't go to the you know, they <laughs> you know what I mean? Their parents they do. don't, they don't allow the them in the apartment. <laughs> maybe they don't agree that they're dating so young. So they're in the hallway holding hands, hanging but, out. But instead but, of but talking to, to them, them and right. saying, Oh guys, you're getting a little loud right. Yeah. Right. whatever is happening. The answer is they, just call the they police. just call, call the police. The police. They, mm-hmm. And I think with gentrification, it's not just the difference in skin color, but there's um, a lot of assumptions, a lot of biases that come with it. And we know, um, you know, how dangerous it is, especially for black and brown kids. When you call the police on them, it's not just the police will come and... and you might say, not live afterward. You may be right. dead. Yeah. Oh, man. White people, please stop calling the police when you see black and brown kids doing things like holding hands and like trying to date away from their parents in a hallway. Like, that is heartbreaking. It's horrible. So what do you do with that information, Kristen? What did you do next? Well, I decided to hone in on Tamika and Whistlin's concerns by jumping ahead to step five, Mm. consuming local news. I read the local papers and the local news websites, and I found out what local politicians were doing to create a more just system for black and brown people. And at that point, I was itching to hit step three, taking action. And what did you do for that? How'd that go? So, Jolenta, I have to confess something to you here. You know those people with the clipboards who are always out at, like, the subway stops, farmer's markets, and so on, trying to get signatures? Oh, yeah. Are you a registered voter, ma'am? Yeah, that's what they always say. <laughs> yes, they always say that. And that's why I normally steer clear of them. Like, I'll take out my phone if I see them coming and pretend I'm talking mm. on the phone. Sometimes I even do this thing that's kind of a betrayal to all Asian people, which is I'll pretend I don't even speak English. Which, Whoa. Yes, I know. That's bad. It's very wow. bad. Wow. I've never I thought know. of that as an option. It's not a good option. I'm not saying it's a good option. I shouldn't do that. But that's what I do when I see the canvassers coming. But while living by this book, I completely changed my tune. I actually went up to each and every canvasser who was representing a candidate, and I asked them to explain what their candidate was doing to make New York a safer place for people of color 
and here's one of those conversations. Yeah, we have two candidates who's running for civil court judges. The first one is an anti-discrimination attorney, in other words, fights for tenants' right against the foreclosures. So what are we trying to do? Just get them on a ballot. Would you mind, please? Oh, I would be happy to. Thank, Thank you. you. First signature, please. Okay. Then please your name. And your home address, please. Thank you very Thank much. You so much. Thank you so much. Um... Shit, now I feel bad for always ignoring those people. It can be exhausting. You know, sometimes you'll run into 12 canvassers in one hour. Or sometimes you're actually running late for a thing and you actually don't have time. But there are times when I am just standing there ignoring them. Yeah, it can be tough. So what did you do after that? So after doing something in the big structural realm with the government and so on, I did something much, much smaller. And this gets at something that Tamika and Whistlin mentioned about being a good neighbor. Mm. I saw a black woman with her baby strapped to her, like in a baby Bjorn. Yeah. And I saw some douchebag white dudes walk by very swiftly, very loudly, swinging their arms wildly. One of them hit the baby on the head. No, 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 no. And then walked into a giant office building where I couldn't follow them because it had one of those security security, things at the front. I was so mad. I ran back to the woman and just asked, are you okay? Is your baby okay? And she said, thank you. Nobody asked. They didn't ask. Uh, And I just appreciate somebody stopping to talk to me about it. So that's not something huge and systematic that I can change. But you took the time to hear someone's voice and story when other people clearly weren't taking that time and had to get to work, even though they hit her baby on the head. Oh, my God. So I tried to do a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B, a little bit with the government, a little bit just person-to-person stuff during week one. But I have to say, as much as I liked focusing on all of the racial justice issues during week one, There was another issue incredibly near and dear to my heart that I felt I was totally neglecting while I was doing this. And that's what I focused on in week two. Oh, I'm very excited to hear about that. But we'll get to week two in just a moment. Yeah, we have to take a quick break. Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, what do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Okay, Jolenta, how was your week two living by a girl's guide to joining the resistance? When we left off, you were actually feeling super lonely and unsatisfied with a lot of the actions you were taking. Right. So I started looking into step four, finding a lady-centered space so I could feel less lonely. Um, And after some Googling, I literally just Googled, like, New York, 
feminist event, uh, hopefully free. And I found a free event to go to that was being put on by the Lady Parts Justice League. Ooh, Have you heard I, of them? I love the name of that. No, I don't even know what that oh, is. Oh, they're what great. They're a nonprofit started by Liz Winstead, <gasps> who's, you know, the comedic yeah. genius that created The Daily Show and was their head writer. Or... Minnesota native. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and basically, the Lady Parts Justice League's mission is to use humor and outrage to fight for reproductive freedom. Uh, I've always meant to check them out. I've heard of them, uh, but never done anything. So I headed out to this hip bar on the Lower East Side to see what their Know Your Rights event was all about. Nice. And how was that? It was amazing, Kristen. Every woman I met there was brilliant and from totally different walks of life. And I, like, fell in love with the organization. They had the bar set up with different stations all around with information and activities. There was a doctor talking about every kind of birth control under the sun with all sorts of, you know, examples you could touch. They even had a fake arm with a fake implant in it, you know, the, like, birth control implant. So you could feel what it would feel like on your arm. Oh, yeah. It was so... Cool. They had games about female anatomy. There was a burlesque performer dressed as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. (laughs) And they had a station that helped me go back to step three and take some action. Uh, And here's their intern explaining the action to me. What what is this station? So this station is uh, writing little postcards to some state senators, some city council representatives um, about, well, for the senators, it's about the Reproductive Health Act, but it's also about uh, exposing fake women's health centers and fake clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, so fake women's health centers often call themselves crisis pregnancy centers. We're trying not to indulge them with that because it's very misleading, and that's kind of their whole thing is that they mislead pregnant people. Um, They are not like medical practitioners, but if you go to their websites, they don't say that. It's all about counseling. Um, They often will do like ultrasounds, so it's very deceptive. It's very manipulative. They often will spring up like right next to actual abortion providers, which is deeply confusing as well. There are about like five to one ratio of these fake ones to real abortion providers. Really? Wow. I didn't know it was so so prevalent. No, it's ridiculous. So learning about fake clinics and taking action as a group with other women, you know, sitting down together, talking about what we're putting on our postcards was was super uplifting. I loved it. But it got me thinking, how did I not know more about this? You know, was I consuming news wrong? And that led me right into step five, which is finding real news. Uh, And I went home and talked to my partner, Brad, to get his advice on the issue. Yes. And Brad is the perfect person to ask because while we don't talk about it much on our show, Brad is actually a news person. He's actually a legit reporter. He's on TV. He's on the radio. Yeah. He's the real deal. So here's what he had to say. You just have to pay attention to who's talking because at every news network, there's people who are just like paid to chatter. And like if below their name, it just kind of says like commentator or something yeah, yeah. And like, like expert fine like their job that. their job is to have an opinion on television but if there's somebody who is like in their bio like they've been to the middle east they spent their time there like in the trenches of, of stories and like or somebody they've who's like their way up the organization exactly somebody who's like it's just all about track record because like news people are actually more accountable for like just telling the truth than than you might think and if they get it wrong like they don't end up having much more of a career and so like look at their biographies and like know where they've been 
then like you can tell like oh this person even though they work for this big network this or this big like cable like even though this person's on Fox like, even if they work for a big cable flagship they came or something, up working it, like they're at their local news station covering yes. like the cop beat and then transferred to Fox if they spend a generation like working in news on real stories then like that's the person worth listening to and then the person next to them you can tune them out that's really interesting that's how I feel uh, obviously I loved Brad's advice because <laughs> I also love him yeah. um but really, if you break down what he's talking about, it's just about looking deeper and searching for substance over image. And now that's what I'm trying to do. I'm looking at bios and doing real research about who I can trust. Excellent. And did you get to step six then? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. And that is self-care. Yes. I said yes to step six, which is self-care, because sticking it to the man is exhausting and uh, an emotional roller coaster. Uh, The book, like we said, recommends saying yes to yourself. So I decided to say yes to my gut feelings about my old health teacher's offer of apology. Mm. Uh, I still hadn't told his boss how or if I wanted to proceed with that offer. So I made responding to it into an act of self-care. I turned on some Kesha. Nice. And I wrote his boss this email. I've given this some thought, and although I'm interested in what he has to say, I'm not ready to hear anything from him. I've spent so much time and effort getting his words out of my head, I'm afraid hearing from him may undo some of this work or add new reasons for me to blame myself to the arsenal of negative thoughts that still cycle through my inner monologue. So for right now, at least, I don't think it's the right time. Thanks. Jalenta. Oh, Cameron, get your fingers over here to snap because I can't snap. Oh, for me. Yay. Snap, snap, snap. Yeah, Jolenta. Yay. Well done. Thank well you. done. Thanks. Totally empowered. Totally chill. I just love how reasoned you sound. And you know what? This is your story. You can do what you want to with yeah. it. Yeah. I, that was surprisingly freeing and relaxing, you know, and if we weren't living by this book, I would have felt very obligated to accept his apology and like make him feel better because my experience of him upset him because it's the nice thing to do. But I decided to just focus on being nice to myself and trust my intuition instead. And and it was a great way to end week two. Oh, love it. I love it, Jolenta. We oh, take care of you. I'm so thanks. proud of you. Um, how was your second week of living by a girl's guide to joining the resistance, lady? So as I was saying at the end of week one, I was getting a lot out of working on social justice issues related to racism. All of that's very important to me. And I tried to really focus my sights on that during that first week. Mm-hmm. But there's another area that's huge for me that I felt I was completely neglecting, one that's so near and dear to my heart which is earth justice. Oh, yes. That is, that is your jam. It is. It is. Preserving the planet for future generations, which, of course, we talked about when we were living by Zero Waste Home right. and when we've talked about other books. This is very near and dear to my heart, and I decided to make week two all about earth justice. Nice. So I started off by going back to step three, taking action, and I did my best to focus locally again. I kept the local nice. focus. I like, like how I we both went back to step three again. That yeah. makes me feel better. Action um, feels good. Yeah. So what did what'd you do? So first, 
when I walked by businesses that had their AC blasting and their doors wide open to luring customers, which, as you know, Brooklyn does that like crazy. Oh, yeah. They're all like, we New have York all this that. cool air when you walk past our open door. Don't you want to come in? And you know that makes me so fucking mad. Because it's a I huge waste just of energy. Hate it. Thank you for putting more Freon into the atmosphere, you assholes. You can't air condition outside, people. Oh, it makes me so mad. So I took it upon myself every time I walked by a business that did that to walk right into the business and talk to the staff about it. And when the staff were not receptive to my feedback, I tweeted those businesses, shaming them publicly. I saw that. (laughs) I was a big fan of that. I always love when you do stuff like that on Twitter because you're so sweet and Minnesotan, but also like... Oof, you get right to the heart of the issue, and oh, it's yeah. like you're so nice about it, but so stern at the same time. I think it has to be effective. I hope so, because I start each email with something nice like, hey, I really love your coffee, but yeah, something like that. But I'm super disappointed. You're like a like sad, disappointed mom. Yeah, just cut it out, folks. You're making the earth cry. You're making me cry. The next thing I did was I went to my local community garden, which actually calls itself a farm and forest. Oh, my God. That's adorable. I asked how I could help out, and I learned about that. I cleaned up trash on the sidewalks, multiple sidewalks. I went out there with a broom, actually. No. Yes, I did. I donated to one of my favorite environmental causes, and then I went all the way to the top. I called the governor. Uh Uh-oh. Look out, Cuomo. Hello. You have reached the office of Governor Andrew M. Cuomo. Our normal business hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Please hold while we transfer your call to the next available agent. Executive Chamber. Hi there. Are you who I can talk with if I wanted to urge Governor Cuomo to support S-7760, that's the New York State Bring Your Own Bag Act? Sure. Excellent. This is something that I'm very passionate about, and I think that New York has way too much plastic, and um, this is a very simple thing that we could do to improve all of our lives, as well as um, we're, you know, we're surrounded by water and keeping the waterways around us and keeping our environment clean would vastly improve everyone's lives in New York. Okay, and your zip code? My zip code is 11217. All right, thanks for calling. I'll pass that message along. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yep, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was... So cute. I don't know why I'm using the word cute. I'm like not trying to discredit that at all. But you're just so good at being friendly when I, I could never be as like sweet as you. Um, well, I, I feel like I didn't do my best. Did there. You, I yeah, feel like I should have had talking fierce? points in front of me. I actually feel that I kind of rambled and I should have had five main points going in there. Um, I just I could have done better. But at least I said what I, I wanted to say. That, that was a good thing. Yeah, that's I did. good. Yeah. But. I will say that, like you, you know, I also felt kind of alone. It was just me and the phone. Right. Yeah, yeah. The phone stuff is very isolating, especially if they don't respond by like totally jumping on your bandwagon. Yeah, which, congratulations like, of for not calling gonna. in. I'm so yeah. proud of you. Thank you for calling Governor Cuomo's office. I mean, I knew they weren't going to say that, but it but it's been still nice. like it's still got a hint of that demoralization, you know? Yeah. So I moved on to step four, my lady-centered spaces. Yes. 
And fortunately, I already have one very structured version of that already. My monthly book club, which I think I've mentioned yeah, on the show yeah, in the past. Have. Yeah, I've been in this group of women for about seven or eight years. They're amazing, inspiring women. They're all working to make the world a better place, either through science or education or law or nonprofits or startups. They are just incredibly inspiring women. Some of them are old enough to be our mom. Some of them are 10 years younger than me. And spending time with them and hearing the good things that they're doing in the world always makes me feel a lot better. And it makes me feel that even when we're doing stuff individually, we're part of a whole. Right. Yes. Oh, that's so good. I, I love that. Yeah, remembering you're part of a whole even when you you feel like you're totally alone is such a good reminder. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, we all we all need those people that inspire us that we can go back to. Um, how did you end the week, Kristen? Well, like you, I ended the week with a little bit of self-care. Remember those tomatoes I planted when we were living by the Nature Fix episode? Of course I do. Well, for some self-care, I did what I have come to call hugging the tomatoes. And it's something that I've started to do on a very regular basis. Hugging the tomatoes. Hugging the tomatoes. Listen. Hello, little tomatoes. Look, you're bigger than a pea now. You were just the size of a pea before. Yeah, look at this one. Yes, oh, it is. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. And look at all of the flowers here that weren't there before. That's true. There's four on that one and there's five on this one. Yeah, the world can be pretty overwhelming, and it can feel like it's hard to make a difference. But spending time with my plants on my little balcony. And was that uh, your husband, Dean, I heard in the background Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. That's him. But it reminds me to keep hope alive, and it reminds me that I can make a difference because, you know, if I can make plants grow four stories in the sky in Brooklyn, I have some power there, and there's a lot more I can do. That's so refreshing. I love that. It made me feel great. I've been hugging the tomatoes a lot lately. Oh, good, good. Hug the shit out of them if that is what works for you. Just don't hug them so hard you squish them. Yeah, I don't want to squish the tomatoes. I just want to love those tomatoes. That's all I want to do. Good. I love it. All right. So we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a moment with our verdicts on a girl's guide to joining the resistance. But first, a reminder, we love hearing from you. Have you read A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance? Did it resonate with you? Share your story with us at buythebook at panoply.fm or leave us a voicemail at 505-510-BOOK. Okay, Jolenta, it's time to get down to business. Time to give our verdicts. Did A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance actually work? Would we recommend it? I want to hear your verdict. I loved this book, Kristen. I loved it. Reading it was fun. It was concise. It was fast to read. Uh, There were really cute illustrations sort of peppered throughout. You know, it looks like the kind of book you might find at Urban Outfitters, but it also didn't just reaffirm my worldview, which is what I was sort of worried it would do. It actually pushed me to get out and do things and meet people and be a better advocate for myself and others. It gave actual, actionable tasks. And, you know, it did raise my anxiety a little bit at at the Mm -hmm. beginning. You know, when you talk about just looking at your own story, you know, it's like, do I look at the fact that I'm a citizen of the earth, that I'm female, that I have friends of color or that have different sexual preferences from me that are totally maligned, you know? 
it's anxiety making to to look at even your story and all of the things that are unjust. Um, but it gives so many tangible, actionable things uh, for these big issues. It it did in the end leave me feeling more empowered than ever in the face of all of these issues. So I guess I just fully recommend this book. I recommend giving fucks about the world and the people in it and around you. And I recommend also remembering to take care of yourself so you don't lose your mind when it seems like the world is out to get you, no matter how hard you're trying to change it. I feel like this was a well-rounded book with good advice and some good information about, you know, the feminists that came before us. Nice. Nice. Uh, How did you feel, Kristen? Well, I have to agree with you. This book was so fun and easy to read. It was short. It was concise. It was concrete. It had concrete steps, not a bunch of mush. I loved the history, which you just mentioned. I think that it put things into context. And it was hands down the most enjoyment I've had reading any book this season. Yeah, thus far, for sure. Yeah. And I really did feel like while I was living by this book, I was making a difference in some ways. You know, I, I did at times feel a little bit overwhelmed, but I felt I was actually doing stuff, stuff that anybody could do. Any of us can check on a person who you think has been wronged in the street. Any one of us can make a phone call to the people in government. Any Mm -hmm. of us can try to get names on the ballot. These are things that we can actually do. We can go out and we can sweep the sidewalk if we want to. We can do these things. So I felt great about all of that stuff. But Mm -mm -mm. as always... I do have a big butt. Of course. Yep, yep, yep. Let's hear it. Let's hear what I accidentally probably overlooked. No, 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 no. no. I don't think you looked at things wrong. I don't think you overlooked anything. But this is a point that I think is important to Mm -hmm. make. I think the book at times feels too much like a reaction to the current administration. And I think that's potentially alienating to lots of American women. Mm -hmm. I mean, regardless of who's in the White House, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, Women should feel encouraged to take action. Let's not forget that plenty of Democrats have signed off on racist policies. And historically, there have been plenty of Republicans who care about the environment. I mean, Nixon, most notably, was a huge environmentalist, possibly the biggest environmentalist ever to occupy the White House. Yeah. So here's my verdict. Read the book, but try not to get too caught up in the author's particular journey. Focus instead on what matters to you. And start focusing your efforts on a local level so you don't get too overwhelmed. You can do this. You can make a difference. We all can. And that's it for this episode of By the Book. Our producer is Cameron Drews, who's always making a difference in my life. Our managing producer is Mia Lobel and... Thanks also to our composer, Nate Ryda, and the Rizzos, who perform our theme song. And as always, special thanks to Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please stay in touch. Let us know if you've lived by A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance and how it worked or did not work for you. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Our email address is bythebook at panoply.fm. You can tweet at us, at Jolenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, or at By the Book Pod. And you can always leave us a voicemail by calling 505-510-BOOK. I love the voicemails, by the way. Me we don't too. play them very often, but I they want are some so more. great. Yeah. yeah. 
call us. Call us, folks. Also, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people to find the show because of the magic algorithms of Apple. The more people who are on there rating, reviewing, looking at the show, the more people who can find us. And if you haven't already, tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You can do this. You can make a difference. We all can. Nice. I like it. I wonder if we need some sort of, like, just respond with more enthusiasm to that. Yeah. You can do it. Girl power. Oh, I love the Spice Girls. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.